Hey, welcome over in the, the venue. Thank you, Jackie and Ben, for leading worship over there, and Pastor Joel for uh, shepherding that uh, group. Um, those, those of you that are watching online, we're grateful that you're with us, and if you're listening on the radio, blessings. Um, everybody take their little sheet, okay, uh, just kind of help you track the message, and maybe take some notes, maybe you'll hear the Lord speak to you through uh, one of the passages, something that I might say, I don't know, and write it down, and then there's a daily meditation page where uh, if you don't have a daily Bible study that you're involved in, you should, but if you don't have one, this, is, this would be a great one, just to look up all of the, the different uh, verses and things that are there, and they kind of track right along with uh, uh, the, the, the message. Uh, last week, if you were here, I told you I was going to tell you what about Cafe Astoria and what it means. We've got lots and lots of uh, uh, emails and texts and all kinds of stuff asking, what does that name mean? And in Galatians chapter 1, there's this great thought, this great moment where um, Paul and Peter had never met. They never had, uh, uh, you know, you know, had any meetings together. Here are these two great giants of the faith. And they had no history with one another. And, and it says in verse 18 that, that Paul was going to go to Jerusalem uh, to meet up with Peter, to meet with Peter, to acquire Peter, to, to get to know, some of your Bibles say, Peter. And that word there in the Greek is the word historia. And if you put an H in front of the word historia, you, you see where we get our English word history. There was this moment when Paul and Peter were going to gather together and they were going to, Paul was going to share his history with Peter. Peter was going to share his history with Paul. They were going to begin history together. They were going to uh, uh, start to get acquainted with one another and learn about each other. And that's what we hope happens out here. We're not just putting in a coffee shop. What we're putting in is a place where you can gather with uh, uh, people and, and get acquainted with one another. You can deepen your history with a friend out there. You can deepen your history with your spouse out there. You can begin new history with maybe somebody new from the, the church. And so it's, um, it's very um, uh, targeted. It's, it's specific. There, there, it, there's intentionality behind what we're, what we're doing out there. And, and we know that God's going to use it in some great ways. If you're interested in Maybe being a part of the team, you can go onto our website, go to the Cafe Astoria, a little link, click on it, if you, and a gal by the name of Tara, who oversees it, would love to contact you, and we, we're just trying to get a whole bunch of folks that would like to serve in there, so that we could have it open, not just on the weekends here, but there's all kinds of stuff that, that uh, God is up to here, in Bible studies, women's, men's, uh, uh, grandparents' days for the school, all kinds of stuff where we'd like to have that open where people could gather and get to know one another, maybe for the, for the first time or maybe even deepen their relationship. So anyway, that's uh, the meaning behind that name. Now I want to begin uh, the message by, by laying a foundation for you, okay, a theological foundation. In John chapter 15, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says this. He says, Father, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. Jesus is praying, and he says, Father, I don't want you to take the Christians out of the world. 
I, I want them here. I just want you to protect them. And I think that that's uh, really interesting. It ought to cause you to pause for a moment and ask yourself maybe some, some deeper questions. And that would be things like, why does Jesus ask that you not be taken out of the world? Why would Jesus want you left down here on planet Earth? I mean, this is an evil place. It's a wicked place. It's a, a crummy place. It's a place that's full of pain and sorrow and heartache and death and disease. and just crummy. Well, why? Why does he say, Father, don't take them out of the world? Why doesn't God, at the moment you give your life to Jesus and you invite Christ into your life and, and, and you recognize you know, sin has goofed up your relationship with the Father and you invite him into your life and he cleanses you of your sin, why not right at that moment doesn't God just take you home and just get you out of here? I mean, you're going there anyway, right? Why is it that there's this moment where Jesus... The second person of the Holy Trinity, God's Son, who says, Father, leave them here. I want them here. Why does God want you here? Why are you taking up space down here on, on planet Earth? What's, what's God up to? Well, I think he's up to a lot of things. There, there's a lot of reasons why you're still here, and I'm going to talk more about that in, in a moment. But before I, I, I do, I, I want to continue building this foundation Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. He said, be careful how you live. While you're down here on planet Earth, while your heart's still beating and you're still, you know, eating food and doing all that kind of stuff, be careful how you live. Don't live as fools, but like those who are wise. While you're here, you got to be careful how you live. And there's a choice you can make. You can, you can live like a fool. You can make foolish choices, do foolish things. Or you can make wise choices. You can live wisely. Paul goes on and says, make the most of every opportunity while you're down here for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. And I want you to underline or circle that word careful. God tells us to be careful how you live. And in the Greek, it literally means don't stumble or drift through life. And I think, unfortunately, that, that might describe a lot of believers. They're just kind of stumbling through life. Jesus wants you here, and you're not very careful about your life. You're just kind of stumbling around, and you're just kind of drifting through life. It's like, it's like you're on a sailboat with a, you know, with a sail up, but you got no rudder, and you're just kind of, you know, whatever way the wind just kind of blows. That's kind of where you go. Beloved, God wants you to think life through he wants you to be wise in how you live. He, he wants you to make the most of every day that he has you here. Because he wants you here. 
Then Paul goes on and says, try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. It's important to God that you know and understand why he left you here on planet Earth. It's important to God that you know and understand what God's will is for your life or what God's purpose is for your life or why he wants you here. Listen to what God said in Jeremiah chapter 1. He said, Jeremiah, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I, I set you apart for a special work. I appointed you as a, a prophet to the nations. Beloved, in the mind of, of God, before Jeremiah was ever conceived, before Jeremiah you know, was ever a, a twinkle in his parents' eyes, God already had chose him. God had already laid out a plan for his life. And here's the cool thing, the same thing's true for you. Before you were ever born, and I know for some of you that makes your brain pop, it makes mine pop, but it's the truth. Before you were ever born, God chose you, Christian. Yeah, there was some moment when you submitted yourself to, to the Lord, you humbled yourself before God, and and understood who he was and who you were and you invited him into your life and you said you're going to be the king of my life and it, and it kind of seems like you chose him but you didn't choose him <laughs> he's the one who drew you to himself he's the one who called you but not only did he call you but he has a special plan for your life he has a purpose for your life now it's not to be maybe the prophet to the nations but has appointed you to something. Some of you have been appointed to be doctors. Some of you were appointed to be construction workers. Some of you are appointed to be, I don't know, salespeople or mechanics or, or, or politicians. Some of you are appointed to be pastors or missionaries or whatever. Jeremiah was appointed to be a prophet to the nations. But make no mistake about it, you're no different than Jeremiah. God knew you before you were ever born. He chose you, and he has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. There's a reason why Jesus wants you here. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 1, but God had special plans for me, and he set me apart for his work even before I was born. And once again, the, the same thing is true for you. God has a special plan for you. He set you apart for something, and he did it long before you were ever born. I don't know what God's plan is for you. I just know that he has one. God didn't put you on this earth to, to simply take up space and to sit around, watch TV, eat Pringles, have a good time, and then die. He has a real plan for your life. That's why he left you here. That's why he says to the Father, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world. Just protect them. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. We are God's masterpiece. We as human beings are God's masterpiece. You. We're it. I watched a program the other day on one of these nature channels and it was about porcupines. <laughs> That's an incredible animal. I don't really know the, the point, 
I mean, you can't really snuggle it, you know, I mean, it's got the quills and it, it's just this, uh, it's an ugly, it's ugly. And if you get, if it gets mad, you can shoot these quill things at you. I, I don't, but, it, but what, a, what an incredible animal. Not a masterpiece. The, the, the beauty of a, of a Gerber daisy that just blooms. Unbelievable. But that, that's not the masterpiece. You are. You're the masterpiece. You're it. It goes on and says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Before you were ever born. God had these good things planned for you, Christian. He's got a will for your life, a purpose for your life, a, a destiny, if you will, for your life. And he laid it out long ago. And here we see Jesus saying, Father, don't take them out of the world. I want them here. Just protect them. I, I want you to make that verse a little bit personal because th th this book was, was God's word to us, obviously as believers, as a family of believers, but, but it was his word to you personally too. That's why it's so fun and exciting to read it because it was a written, it was God's word to you. Now this isn't everything there is to know about God, trust me. Someday you're going to get to heaven and there's a whole lot more we're going to learn about God. But this is everything that God wanted you to know. This is it right here. This is it. He left it for you. That you could know him. And have a deeper relationship. And so I want you to, on your note sheet, just do what I did. You know, Rick, you, you are God's master. But he, he has created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things he planned for you to do long ago. And if you're a Christian, that's true. One of the sad things about a lot of believers is that, you know, when the alarm goes off in the morning, it's like, ah, oh, dude, not another day. Well, and that's just a crummy attitude to have. If you got that attitude, then, then you really don't understand that God has a purpose and a, a will for your life, something he wants you to accomplish with the one life that you have. Too many Christians, it's, you know, thank God it's Friday. Yeah, I got all that other stuff out of the way. Now I can just do something else with my life that's funner. But I, I want you to know something. That, that's, that, tells me, that tells me something about where you're at in your maturity level with the Lord. See, God has something unbelievable planned for your life. God has things planned for you, has a will for your life. Now let me tell you why this is important. It's important because when you understand why you're here, when you understand what God's purpose is for your life or what God's will is for your life, and when you actually live it out, there's one thing to know what his will is or what his purpose is. It's a whole other thing to, to, to live it out. But when you do that, I guarantee you that your, your life will take on a whole new meaning. It'll take on an exciting meaning. You'll, you'll be excited when your alarm clock will go off most of the time. Yeah. Really. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, therefore, 
I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for for you've been called by God. Here's the great apostle writing to a group of believers, and he says, listen, I, I beg you, don't fumble the one life you got, Christian. Don't waste it. You've been called for something, for some purpose. God has a will for your life, and don't waste it on trivial things. And I I don't know what was going on at this moment. I I just know Paul, as a mature leader of the church back in that era, saw something. And he's saying, look, just, I'm begging you. You're here for a reason. And as I read this this past week, I, I thought to myself, you know, as your pastor, listen to me. <laughs> I, I'm begging you. I, I'm pleading with you. I am begging with you. Please, Christian, understand what the will of the Lord is. Be careful how you live. Don't don't live foolishly. Don't squander your life. There's a reason why God has you here. He could have just taken you home, but he didn't. He left you here. He wants you to know what his will is, what his purpose is for your life, that you would fulfill it. Now let me tell you why this is important. My daughter Gracie is right down here. When she was a kid, this is a lot of years ago, we found some mice or rats scurving around in our backyard. And so um, uh, I went out and bought these traps. And for those of you that know me, I'm not real, you know, put a tool in my hand and I'm injuring myself in, in a matter of seconds. I'm just no good at that kind of stuff. And I know... 99% of you could take one of those mouse traps, you flip the thing back, you put the thing on it, you slide the deal under, boom, you put it down. For me, that's an all-day event. (laughs) the, The little thing that holds the neck snapper never locks for me. I can never, so I'll, I'll get it just about right and snap, and the tip of my fingers, you know, bloody and goofed up, and well, finally, I get three traps ready. And I, and I make my way into the backyard, okay? And it's like, you know, very slow. I don't want these babies snapping on me. And I put them strategically in their places by the bushes. And uh, it, becomes, it gets night, and I don't want her to see, you know. So she's asleep. And so I decide I'm going to go out and check these uh, traps out. I want to make sure that, you know, we, we got something. You know, dinner for tomorrow night. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a hunter. Hunter-gatherer. That's what I am. Okay. Mice kebabs. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I go hunt down a flashlight. See, I'm one of these guys that I'm prepared for, for, you know, when the power grid goes out, I bought a flashlight and I put it somewhere, but I couldn't figure out where I left it. So like an hour later, I'm trying to find this flashlight. I finally find the flashlight and I turn it on and nothing. Nothing. Got nothing. 
And I open the thing, and the batteries are all corroded. And here's why the batteries corroded. You see, the batteries were made to do something. Their purpose is to give off energy. And when batteries aren't used for their intended purpose, they corrode. They go bad. When, when batteries aren't used for their intended purpose, they corrode. They go bad. Some of you get it. The reason why some of you, the, your, your, your walk with the Lord just isn't very, I don't know what the word is, refreshing or, uh, or, or whatever. It's, it's not, it doesn't fulfill you very much or it's weird, you just don't like it or whatever. It, it, it's because you've corroded. You're not using your life for its intended purpose. You're not being careful how you live your life. You're making foolish choices instead of wise choices with your life. Now the good news is, is that God is able to take out the old batteries, slap new batteries in, and, and you're good to go. And maybe for some of you, that's, that's what needs to happen today, is that the Holy Spirit would speak to you and you'd say, you know what, I was created for a purpose. I was, you know, God has a will for my life and I've just been kind of fumbling this thing around and I'm gonna find out what it is and, and today is a day I, I'm using my one life for its intended purpose, and that would be a win. I've, I received a few emails, even from last night. Beautiful emails of how the Holy Spirit worked in some people's lives, and they felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and that's a good thing. Embrace that. It's one of the ways you know you're, you're really in the Lord is when you sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life, you see. The Bible says says this in Ephesians chapter four, he, that's God, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. So as each part does its own special work, and we're the parts, when we do our work, when we fulfill God's purpose, when we're in the middle of God's will, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Man, I'm just really thankful that, you know, uh, uh, Bruno was in there using his, his gifts and talents, fulfilling one of the purposes of his life on the drums, and other people were singing, and it was a blessing to us. And there were people that were a blessing, and they helped you find a seed, and, and some people are being a blessing to you right now. They're holding your, your babies or your children so you could be in here. Unbelievable what happens when God's people understand why Jesus left them here and they fulfill their will, their destiny, and, and it's not necessarily just one thing. God has a special work for you, a calling around here. Sometimes we call it uh, your shape, and your shape is just an acronym, and we didn't make this up, but everybody here has a spiritual gift, at least one. The Bible's crystal clear on that. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God supernaturally gave you a spiritual gift. Gift. Some of you know what your spiritual gift is. Many of you don't. Probably most of you really don't. And some of you may have more than one. God has given everybody a, a heart or a, a passion for something. There are people in this church that are passionate. They got a heart for politics. 
Every day I get emails from them. Every message ought to be about politics. Some of you. There are some people in this church who have a heart or a passion, you know, for, for you know, the abortion issue. And every message ought to be about life and anything else I preach. You're... I get it. Some of you have a passion for children. You have a passion for whatever, a heart for whatever it might be. Single parents, you know, single moms. And where do you think that heart or that passion came from? I think God gave it to you. I think God's the one who, who, who gave it to you. Then everybody has abilities, either just natural abilities, different from spiritual gifts. And I don't know what yours are, but it could be, I don't know, you got an, a, an ability to fix cars. Some people just have the knack. They just fix a car. They look at it, and you drive it up, and they can just listen to the engine and go, oh, man, you're, you're crankshaft, at least. You, know, you need to tighten, it, tighten up the spark plugs. So I got the carburetor, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about cars, obviously, right? And, you're, uh, and, and some of you, though, you're really good at it. You know, you just, you just get it. The P is, is that we all have different personalities, right? Some of you are extroverts. Some of you are introverts. And one's not better than, than another. It's just that we all have different kinds of personalities. And the E is we all have different experiences. Uh, some of you have experienced war. You've heard bullets flying over your head. Bombs have gone off. You've experienced maybe a buddy next to you losing a limb or dying. I haven't had those experiences. Probably most of you haven't, but some of you have. Some of you have uh, different educational experiences. Some of you have PhDs, and some of you have master's degrees. Some of you, maybe you never graduated from high school. And that's the experience that you have. Some of you are single, you've never been married, you don't have that experience. Some of you have been married for a year and you've got a little bit of experience. Some of you have been married 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And man, you've got a lot of experience. Or some of you have the experience of a divorce or two. Some of you have been goofed up with drugs and alcohol and you have that experience, you see. We all have different experiences. We, we have you know, spiritual gifts and passions, hearts, abilities, and we call that your shape. And God wants to take all those things and then he wants to use it for his glory. He, he's got a will or, or a purpose you know, that, that he wants to fulfill through those things. And if you don't really know what your shape is or, or whatever, we have a class the first Saturday of every month that's headed up by Alan Boone, Pastor Alan Boone. And you can come, you take this test, it's really fun, it's really, I've, I've done it, it's just unbelievable. It'll nail you, and you'll kind of find out what your shape is, and then you'll, we tell you all the different places, not only in this church, but in our community, where you could use your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your heart, whatever, personality, all those things, for, for God's glory. And maybe you need to sign up for the shape class. It's, it's the first Saturday of every month, usually, usually. Now, Acts uh, chapter 13 says this, and it's one of my favorite verses. It's certainly uh, one of my life verses. It says this, King David did God's will during his lifetime, then he died. One version says, David served God's purpose in his generation, and then he died. And in my humble opinion, it's, this is one of the finest definitions of the successful life you'll find anywhere. 
that you would be a, a man or a woman who simply did God's will during, during his lifetime and then died. You, you, you simply followed the Lord as best you could, then you died. And I hope that someday that, you know, when I take my last breath, that might be what's on my tombstone. Rick did God's will during his lifetime, and then he died. I don't know how much time I got. I don't know how much time you got. I just know that the great apostle Paul begs me to live a life worthy of my calling. He, he begs you to live a life worthy of your calling. And the, 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 the great, you know, model of success is just do God's will, God's purpose in your generation, and then when you die, wow, what an incredible testimony. Too often, and I, I know I'm going to hurt someone's feelings, but at, at funerals, you know, there's always the open mic time. And I know some of you, you just need to emote. And so, you, you know, there's always people go up to the mic and, <laughs> I'm just sorry, Billy died. We went fishing a lot. And then they go sit down. Really? No, I'm not saying that's not a significant moment. But I, I just hear things and I just go, wow, really? Don't, don't you, Christian, want people to go to the mic and go, hey, here's the deal, I'm, I'm sad that Billy's not here. But I know that he lived out God's purposes in his life. He lived out God's will in his life, and part of God's will in his life was to be a blessing to me, and I'm gonna miss him, I'll see him again. And they walk away. I mean, isn't that what we all wanna hear, that somehow we lived out God's will, God's purpose for our lives, and then we die? That, that's when God takes us home. You see, I think one of the reasons Jesus leaves us here is he wants us to fulfill the purpose that he has for us. And many of you are. This is a church that's filled with many who are living out God's purpose for their life. Now this past week, I want you to know, I was looking at the life of, of uh, one of my heroes, and that was Caleb. Caleb was a, a, a man um, who fulfilled God's purpose in his generation, and then he died. Caleb was a man who lived a, a, a worthy life. He lived worthy of his calling. He, he stood for God when others failed miserably. And one of the people around him who failed miserably was Moses, in my opinion. And I want to share with you three things from his life that I think we can all learn as it relates to living out God's will for, for your life or God's purpose for your life, okay? Now, most of you know the story in Exodus where Moses leads the Jewish people out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They cross this giant desert called the Sinai, and they come up to the area that God's going to give them. God has, has given them this hunk of land. It's called the Promised Land. But before they go into the promised land, before they go into the land that God has said, hey, it's yours, Moses decides to get 12 guys together and he sends them into the land as spies. And so they go into the land and, you know, they're scoping it all out, taking notes, looking at all these different things. And, 
And they finally uh, come back. And when they came back, there was a majority report and there was a minority report. <laughs> Been looking forward to saying that all week. Yeah, I, I like that movie. Anyway, um, little, little things. Little things like that make me happy. I think about that stuff. It's weird. Anyway, the, the majority report was 10 guys. 10 guys came and said, hey, listen, here's the deal. It is an unbelievable land. It's everything, you know, we've been told about. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and they even brought back some of the fruit and said, look at this, man, grapes and fruit and stuff, just ginormous, and it was unbelievable. But these 10 guys said, hey, listen, here's the deal, though. It may be a great place, but there's no way we're going in. There are just some really evil, wicked people living in the land. In fact, some of them are giants. There's no way we're going in. Man, their spears and their bows and arrows and man, their cities are fortified and th there's no way we can do it. The minority report was two guys, Caleb and Joshua. And they said, well, yeah, that's all true. It's an incredible place. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. But here's the deal. God told us it's our land. And we can do it. We can do it. Well, for whatever reason, Moses decides to go with the majority report. And because he goes with the majority report, God let an entire generation wander for the next 40 years until that entire generation died off, but basically two people. Want to know who? Caleb and Joshua. Moses didn't even get to go in. And what I want to do is, is just look at three things. He's a, he's a fascinating man, fascinating life, and when we get to heaven, and the greatest thing about heaven isn't seeing our loved ones, though that'll be cool. The greatest thing about heaven is we get to be with Jesus. That's, that's the greatest reason we get to go to heaven. I guarantee it. Loved ones are so far down the list, it's unbelievable. And one of the guys that I look forward to just hanging out with is going to be Caleb. Incredible man. And the first thing I, I want to point out to you is this. If you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life, you've you got to believe that God is really at work in your life. You've got to believe that. That God is at work in your life. You've got to believe that. In Numbers chapter 13, it says this. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men, the 12 spies, returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We, we entered the land that you sent us to explore, and it is, it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and, and fortified. We, we saw giants there. All this to say that these guys were afraid. I happen to believe that all 12 of them were afraid. But one guy, Caleb, though he was afraid, had the courage to speak up. And it says this in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. 
Moses is the leader. Moses is the man. But there comes a moment when Caleb steps up to the podium, if you will. And he says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. Beloved, I have no doubt that Caleb was scared. It's only natural to be scared. But he didn't allow his fear to goof him up. He believed, he, he believed that God was with him. He believed that God would protect him. He believed that God was watching over him. He believed that God would give them the victory. And beloved, I think this is the first step to fulfilling your life mission or living a life worthy of your calling. You gotta believe that you can do it. You gotta believe that God is the one who's at work in you and through you. You gotta believe that. Because if you don't believe that, I, I don't know, I don't think you get off the dime. You see, Caleb believed. Yeah, they're giants. Yeah, there's all this stuff. I get it. But he believed in the God who said, hey, it's yours. You got to circle that phrase in verse 30. We can certainly do it. That's the attitude that you have to have if you want to fulfill your calling. I can do it. I can do it. Some of you, you know what? You ought to be up here singing. You ought to be up here playing your instruments. You ought to be mentoring a group of teenagers. You ought to be holding a baby right now. You ought to be involved someplace, right? You know it, but you don't believe. You don't believe. Look, you gotta believe. You gotta believe that it's God in me. The, the, the God of the universe, the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the power of that God indwells you. Why? So you can corrode? So you can do nothing and corrode? No. He gave you his power so that you could fulfill his will, his purpose for your life, and then you die. But you gotta believe. In Numbers chapter 14, it says this, this is Caleb speaking, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. The Lord had told him, it's yours. And here's Caleb saying, don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people in the land, they are only helpless prey to us. Tell me that isn't an unbelievable attitude. You make a statement like that because you believe. Oh, they may be giants and they got big spears and they got big bows and arrows and their cities are fortified and all that kind of stuff. But with the Lord against the Lord compared to the Lord, they're, they're but helpless prey. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Wow. That's the kind of man I want to be. That's, I want to believe like that guy believed. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Now here's the deal, I want you to pay close attention to this. Beloved, I know that all of you believe that this verse is in the Bible. 
Nobody's going to stand up and say, that verse isn't in the Bible. It's in the Bible. You just saw the verse. You saw the reference. You've probably seen it before. No, you all believe that this verse is in the Bible. The problem is, is that not all of you believe the truth of that verse that's in the Bible. See, and, and that's, the, that's, that's the issue. You, you got God's word. Here it is. Hard to deny that this is God's word. Hard to deny it. Some people try. But this is God's word. It's crystal clear in most issues. The, the problem is, is, do you really believe what it says? Caleb was a man who believed what it, what it said. Look, remember, God wants you here on planet Earth. He has a plan for your life while you're here on planet Earth. And it's super important that you actually believe that God and his power are working in and through your life here while you're on planet Earth. You've got to believe that. N number two, you have to have the courage to stand up against any opposition. You've got to believe. And that belief becomes very important at number two. You've got to have the courage to stand up against any opposition. Numbers 14, then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried out all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. You get down to verse 10 and it says, but the whole community, and this isn't like 10 people, this is like thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Imagine that. God has told them, it's your land. I'm giving it to you. Go take it. Ten guys say, no way, can't do it. Two guys are going, what are you talking about? It's ours. Ah, we we got to believe. And now everybody's all weirded out, and they're all picking up stones going, we got to take these two guys out. Here's the bottom line. Anytime you make a choice to live a life worthy of your calling or you make the choice to live a life that honors God or you make the choice to find out you know, what your purpose is and then live out that purpose, I want you to know you're going to have people that are going to come against you. It might be some friends who oppose you. It might be family members who oppose you. I don't know who it will be. I just know someone's going to oppose you because the last thing Satan wants is for you to live out God's will for your life. So he'll make sure there's some opposition. Christian, listen. I don't think Satan cares all that much that you're sitting in here right now. Come to church, sing your little songs, you know, do this if you want. Uh, throw a shuckle or two in the offering. That's, a, that's okay. It's when you go, you know what? I actually want to do what this says. I want to live out God's purposes in my life. I, I actually want to, you know, fulfill my destiny here that God put me here for. It's at that moment his ears get pinned back and he has a little you know, staff meeting with the demons to figure out how to make sure you don't do that. Come to church, sing your little songs, do whatever it is you want to do, that's fine. Just, just don't get serious about actually doing the will of God. Living the will, will of God out, standing for the will of God or the word of God. That's when things will start getting a little bit dicey. Guaranteed. It's one of the reasons why some of you aren't doing it. I remember, I, uh, you know, 30 plus years ago, I, I was in the jewelry business and I loved it. I, I loved working in the jewelry business. I, I loved every moment of it. 
And then there came a moment when this church, Big Valley Grace, it wasn't located here, it was on Sanford Avenue, the pastor asked if I would leave the jewelry business and come to work at the church as a youth guy. And I knew that that was God's will for my life. I knew that was God's destiny, God's purpose, whatever for my life. I knew it. My dad didn't know it, though. And I couldn't repeat to you, because there's young children in the room, the, the things that my dad said over and over and over and over again about me leaving the business. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy at all. I mean, he was bitter and angry over it all. And let me know on many different occasions how dumb and stupid I was and what was I thinking and the future of the jewelry business as opposed to, you know, working at a church and blah, 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 blah. I literally for decades, decades went by. And then one day he, I don't know, the Lord worked in his life and he gave his life to Christ as an old, as an old guy was baptized. In fact, he was baptized in Daryl Cummings' pool. And now he's, um, he, he, he's, uh, he's alive, but his mind doesn't work very well. And he used to sit right down here on Saturday nights, and I'm going to offend some of you here in a minute, but I, I don't care. It, it, he used to sit right down here, and he used to bring in a, one of those soft seats, you know, that you take to a ball game, his, his Oakland A's seat. And he'd sit right down here, and he'd immediately fall asleep. And then, and, and then at the end of my sermon, he would stand up and go, hell of a sermon. That was a hell of a sermon. And he, I'm just walking. It's unbelievable. And I, I knew that that was great praise from him. See, he, he finally came around after decades and could see to some degree that this is what his son was supposed to do. And... Um, uh, when I would take kids to, to Mexico every year, you'd see uh, kids who would sign up, and, and uh, what they'd do is they were going to give a week of, of their life up uh, uh, over Easter vacation. And they would go down to Mexico and live in some really crummy conditions and, and uh, was, you know, not have showers and, and not have you know, clean toilets, and, and, and they'd go down there in these conditions and, and serve the Lord, and on top of that, they, they, they paid to do it. <laughs> And uh, then what they do is they go talk to their friends. And inevitably, there were always one, two, three kids who after they talked to their friends and their friends would say, well, that's stupid. What are you going to go down there for? You're going to go down there and waste all that time and energy? You're going to pay to do that? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sit around on our vacations and we're going to get to the next level of Donkey Kong, man. Why don't, you, why don't you stay here and waste your life? That's not what they said, but that is in essence what they were saying. And there'd always be a few kids who'd drop out, and it was kind of sad. But the reality is, as a shepherd of the church, I just knew that, see, there was opposition. And some people can, can you know, have the courage to go against the opposition. Some people don't. And that doesn't mean you're a loser forever. When you read the book of Mark, Mark... Um, caved to the opposition at one moment in his life. He got scared. But as time went on, he matured in his faith. He believed God, gathered up the courage he needed, and became an incredible man for the, for the faith. 
But I guarantee you that you're going to experience some opposition if you get serious about uh, living your life to the glory of God. In 2 Timothy it, it, chapter 4, it says this. Paul is writing to this young preacher, and he says, Timothy, I want you to know about Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. In other words, he, he opposed the will of God. He opposed the purpose of Jesus that he had for me. And he's saying, Timothy, you be careful of this guy. He's an evil guy. You be careful of him. And I, 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 don't, I don't know who the Alexander the coppersmith is in your life. I don't know who that is. I just can guarantee you, beloved, if you say, I want to live out God's purpose in my life. I want to live out God's calling in my life. I want to live out God's will in my life. You're going to have an Alexander the coppersmith. There, there's going to be people who will come against you. And in the culture we live in today, you don't even have to meet those people. They, you, they, they'll, they'll find you on, the, on your Facebook page, the internet, all, your emails. Most of them are cowards. Not, they don't face you, talk to you face to face. They'll just shoot you an email. One of the great things about Caleb was he was a man that was willing to stand for God, though it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a popular thing. Number three, you want to fulfill God's purpose. You've got to believe. You've got to have some courage. But you've also got to remain loyal to God as you wait on his timing. And this was the thing that was fascinating me. I've read the story of Caleb and the promised land. I can't even tell you how many times. But, man, God just revealed some new truth in, in, from his word as I read it again and reread it. Numbers 14 says, but my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. <laughs> Man, you like that? Yeah, I like that. He has remained loyal to me. So because he's remained loyal to me, comes with a consequence. I'll bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Loyal. Loyal. That's a good word. That's a good word. Let me ask you a question. Would God say that about you? Would God say that you've remained loyal to him? Would, would God say that you've been obedient to him and his word? And that's what he's talking about there. Have, have you remained loyal to him? Let me tell you something, you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life, fulfill God's purpose in your generation, and then, you know, die, have one of those kind of testimonies, you got to remain loyal to the Lord. you got to remain loyal to his word. You see, it's one thing to say you love God. It's, it's one thing to say that you read your Bible, but it's a, a, something way different to actually live out the Bible, to be obedient to what it says, because sometimes what God has to say is hard. Not everything in here is easy. A lot of it's easy. But some of it's hard. Some of it will make Alexander the coppersmiths come out of the woodwork. Some of it will, you know, you won't get invited to the right parties. You'll get emails. It's hard. Some of it's hard. The Bible says this, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. <laughs> Look, I know, 
I know I'm a Christian not because I'm in church. I know I'm a Christian not because I sing songs or raise my hands or put an offering in the offering basket or I went on a missions trip. I know I'm a believer because I, I love and am loyal to the commands of God. That's how you really know. Nothing wrong with coming to church. God wants you to come to church. God wants you to give. God wants you to go on missions trips. Don't miss what I'm saying here. But don't mistake how you really know that you're really in the faith. It's by this, are you loyal? Satan knows the scriptures. Satan's reading scriptures. He knows the scriptures better than you do. He's not gonna be in glory. He goes on and says, if someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's command, that person's a liar and the truth's not living in them. But those who obey God's word truly, those that are loyal to God and his word, show how completely they love him. That's how we know we're living in them. Look, I've done this for 30 years. Every, everybody that I, oh, I love Jesus. I really do. Well, you know you're breaking his commands? Oh, it doesn't matter. I love Jesus. And I don't, I, I don't know where people get that idea. Don't, don't tell me how much you love Jesus and how loyal you are to Jesus. You can fake some people out, but those of us that know the word know, no, you don't. Easy to say it. It's a whole other thing to be loyal to it. James said this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and you do what it says, you're loyal to what it says, and you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you. See, the reason why God blessed Caleb was because he was loyal to the word. And obviously he didn't have the New Testament. It was, it was different back then. But the word that he did know, he was loyal to it. That's when the blessings come. Is when you say, you know what, I don't care if it's hard, I don't care if I like it, I don't care if I get it, here's the deal, I love you so much, God. I'm gonna be loyal to this, even if I don't like it. Now, 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 I want you to listen to what Caleb said in Joshua chapter 14, okay? This, this, is, this is where it starts getting fantastic, right here. Now then, the Lord has kept his promise. Okay, this, is, this is Joshua, this is Caleb speaking. He has kept me alive for 45 years from the time he said this to Moses during the time we all wandered in the desert. Now here I am, 85 years old, so get this. 45 years ago, Caleb stood in front of the people and said, let's do it, I believe. We can take the land. I don't care whether there's giants or not. I don't care how big the cities are, how fortified they are, let's do it. And Moses says, no. 45 years have gone by, 45. He's now 85 years old. He hasn't trash talked Moses. Uh, Moses, loser, got no faith. What's wrong with that guy? He hasn't, God, what's wrong with you, man? Man, I stood up for you. Man, for 45 years I've been walking around waiting. No. He's remained loyal. 
He's remained loyal to his boss, to the leader, Moses. And he's remained loyal to God. He's 85. Now listen to this. I'm still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out as one of the spies. And I'm just as ready to fight now as I was then. So give me the mountain country the Lord promised me that day long ago. Back then you heard that the Anakites, those were the giants, people lived there and the cities were large and well protected. But now with the Lord helping me, I will force them out just as the Lord said. Now here's the deal, you gotta like this, you gotta like this. This is, God, this is the picture. I don't want the easy spot. I don't want the spot on the lowlands. You give me the mountain country. I want the toughest part. And when I get up there, I know God is going to show up just like I knew he'd show up 45 years ago. And I've been talking about how great God is. And you know what? I want the generation behind me to see the God who they could have seen 45 years ago. I don't want the easy route, Moses. You give the, you give the low land to somebody else. You give me the high ground. I want, I want to climb mountains. Listen, listen. It's never too late to fulfill God's purpose in your life. It was God's purpose that they go into the promised land. It was God's will. Caleb knew it, and he waited. Waited and he waited, and now it's 45 years later, and he's going in. He's going in. I don't know where you're at today, Christian. I don't know. I just know that God has a plan for your life, and you got to believe it, you got to have some courage, and you got to remain loyal. You got to stay focused on the Word of God. Because here's the deal it may take some time. It may take some time for you to get to where God wants you to be. I believe without a shadow of doubt, God wanted me right here. I know. I know that this was God's will for my life. But it took 20-something years. I was faithful in some little things, and God gave me a little bit more, and I was faithful in those things. God gave me a little bit more, and I was loyal there, faithful there. Then I was a little bit more loyal, faithful here. And before you know it, you know, one thing leads to another. And the same thing's true in your life. Some of you go, man, I know God wants me to do that. I see it. I know it. Well, guess what? Maybe you got to do some of these things and just remain loyal and faithful here until God gets you there. I remember I was talking with a gal not long ago who wanted to sing a, a, a solo in here. And she came up, and I, I guess she had talked with Pastor Scott, and Pastor Scott said, hey, I got a thought for you. Why don't you come to our rehearsals and join the choir? And kind of, well, she didn't want to do that. She just wanted to get up and sing a solo. Bye. That's not how it works. And she went off griping and complaining. Sent me a crummy email. Bye. I don't care. If she really believed that that's what God wanted her to do, you know what? She would remain loyal to the Word of God. She would remain loyal to the staff here. She would have gotten involved and showed us that she could be faithful in little things and work her way up to something like, like singing a solo in front of everybody. You see how that works? So don't ever think, well, I'm getting too old, man. No, you're not. You're not getting too old. Now, for those of you that will have a horrible, you know, uh, Memorial Day weekend, because 
you didn't get to fill in all the blanks, and you, you'll lose sleep over the thing. I, let, me, let me give you the last one over here, okay? That's the bonus thought. I don't want you to have a horrible, you know, barbecue tonight. Um, <laughs> and that's this. You, you got to put some effort into your walk with Jesus. It takes some effort. I, I, I want everybody to stand up. Stand up over in the venue, and here's the deal. Here's the thought. Um, I don't know what, what God has called you to do. I don't know what your purpose is or your will is. You ought to come to the shape class. A lot of you ought to do that. But I do know this. Whatever it is, it's going to take some effort. It just doesn't happen. Walking with Jesus, deepening your faith in the Lord, is hard work. It's not easy. Which is why I think so many believers just give their life to the Lord and then they don't do anything. You know, They don't want to go to a Bible study. They don't want to... They don't want to wake up 20 minutes early and study their, the Bible. They, they don't want to come to men's ministry and learn some other things or women's ministries and learn some other things. They don't want to sit down and use the technology that they have on their computer or whatever and get into God's Word. And it's hard, man. It's hard work. It takes some effort to get up early. And I get it. I know. But if you want to be all that God has called you to be, you want to live a life worthy of your calling, let me tell you something, take some effort. Take some effort. You want to become a Caleb? Take some effort. My prayer is, is that this would be a church just filled with, with Caleb's. Just filled with them. Believe God. And they have courage. Not, not afraid. They remain loyal to God and his word. And they're willing to put some effort in. I'll tell you what, you do those things. I'll, wow. God will do some great things with, with, with you in your life. Father, thanks for our time here. And I have enjoyed every minute of this, Lord. Last night, I, I've enjoyed um, the singing. Enjoyed that one song that everybody knows that is so weighty taps. I'm glad that Rob Olson could be here all weekend to pray. I've enjoyed your word. Thank you for leaving it. May we be a group of people like Caleb who, who are loyal to you, loyal to your word, loyal to obeying it. And may we put effort in to our walks with you, Lord. Give us a great holiday today, tomorrow. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, Lord bless you guys. Live for Jesus, okay?